when we just look into the car next to us and suddenly the person turns around. Then the fear of failure is no longer needed because you've now put a new belief into the system. Hi, I'm Rifka. And I'm Ida. Welcome to From the Inside Out, now a global community that keeps growing every day thanks to each and every one of you. Right here is where you'll discover life-changing insights from some of the world's greatest thinkers, leaders, and our everyday heroes. We believe that meaningful change comes from taking inspiration and turning it into action. In fact, that's how this podcast was created, in an Uber, where we were both inspired by each other's life experiences and how much we could learn from each other. We're so glad you've joined our conversation today. The path to meaningful change starts right here, right now. From the inside out. This episode is sponsored by House of Lancry, and I'm a personal fan. Super fashionable, also trendy and modest, and I happen to have their uh, their modest um, swimwear. I think it's called the Ella Collection, and I I love it. You could wear it to the pool, at the pool, um, and I have several dresses of theirs as well that I love. So, same here. I love House of Lancry's clothing line. I've been shopping there for years and their stuff lasts which is really nice it's fashionable and not dated if you want to update your summer wardrobe i would totally go to house of langry we're going to we're going to put the link in our podcast notes and um it's so nice it's so great to be able to collaborate with house of langry whom we really appreciate because it's not easy to find modest clothing that's fashionable and updated and good quality uh with great patterns and uh, materials and so Yeah, thank you, House of Lankery, for sponsoring. And if you want to sponsor an episode, please reach out to Rifka and Ida at gmail.com. Rifka with an H and Ida at gmail.com. We would love to collaborate with you. We've gotten such great feedback from our sponsors and also from our guests and from you, our listeners. So speaking of collaborating, we just got such a special email from one of our guests that we had. The female voice of Tanya, Rachel Shmukla, that's what the episode's titled. And she let us know that by her collaborating with us and being our guest, the amount of listeners since we released our episode has doubled for her. And that was so meaningful for us to hear because to spread the light of um, Hasidus and Tanya, the depth, the deeper dimension to Torah is our mission. And to hear that her listeners have been doubled, well, that's thanks to all of you listening and you know being inspired by our guests and by things that we have to share. So thank, that's thanks to you. Just wanted to share that with you because it's so great to see the growth. We love to share other people's uh, podcast platforms. We believe that there's space for everyone and it's you know it's important to be inclusive. And it reminds me of this quote by the Lubavitcher Rebbe where he said, if it's about you, the others are competition. But if it's about serving the divine cause, they're all parts of one grand composition. So I think that all of us in the podcast space and in, in, in the media space are really part of one grand composition to make this world more beautiful and to elevate it and to bring more love into the world. And that's a huge part of our mission. And we're so grateful that we can do that here and that we, through our podcast platform, we were able to direct our listeners in a, in a meaningful direction to Tanya Classes by Rachel Schmuckler. So thank you. Thank you for that. If any of you haven't listened to that episode, you can go back to, it's just a couple episodes back. And her podcast is Rachel Schmuckler. We'd also just like to share with you that we just launched our new Instagram page. It is called, please follow. 
from the inside out dot podcast on Instagram and look out for other channels that we will be sharing with you. Um, one of them is YouTube and some others where you'll start to see more of our content and some of the some highlights from previous episodes. And we're so excited to be growing and growing with you. And thank you for coming along on this joyful ride with us. On today's episode, we are going to talk about the emotion code. So I came across a book a little while ago called The Emotion Code by Bradley Nelson, which I recommend. It's it's not an easy read, but it's a worthwhile read. And I got very into it because I believe that you know, we could do a lot of mind work, you know, challenging our thoughts, cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that. But there's a whole other dimension when it comes to healing, and that is through the emotions. And we talked a lot about you know, Mayach Shalat Al-Halev, the mind ruling over the heart. And many of us, and I can identify with this, are very much in our minds, right? If we can understand it from a thought perspective, that's sort of what drives, you know, takes a front seat. That's the engine. And some of us are more heart focused. And the goal is to really have both and to know how to, um, how they interact and to understand them better. So, the emotion code, and, and you'll hear more about it in this episode, but it's really designed to help people understand what's causing blockages that they deal with and how to remove them. And m- a lot of this happens in our subconscious minds. And so that's why the emotion code enables us to unblock us. And I won't go much further because we have an expert on this episode who can really, who really delved into it with us, but I think it's fascinating and it's a you know, it's a, war, a road that might be worthwhile to go down if it's something that you're interested in. But I hear people so often say, I feel stuck or I feel like something's blocking me. There's a brick wall. I hit a brick wall. And pe- whether people have gone to therapy or not, I think it's something we hear often. And that's why the emotion code is a very popular approach to healing. And so when in one of our meaningful conversations, <laughs> Ida and I were discussing the emotion code and I brought up Moshi Weinbaum because I know that he has helped many, many, many people. And uh, my daughter, Etty, was inspired by him and she went on to also practice the emotion code and she has clients as well. I know that uh, Moshi Weinbaum, there's a waiting list for him. That's how popular he is. Um, my daughter, Etty, is going to get there. But in the meantime, in podcast notes, you'll have her information if you want to try out the emotion code and you will also have Moshi Weinbaum's information as well. Enjoy this conversation on the emotions that hold us back um, and how to let them go and set ourselves free. Can you tell us how you were drawn to the emotion code as a method of healing. Sure. So it started with actually helping my family. In 2012, we were blessed with my wife having a brain tumor. And I know it sounds a little bit interesting to say blessing, but it's really, really tremendously impacted our family in an incredible way. The journey has not been easy. And um, to all the listeners, thank God my wife is doing great. Um, the journey um, itself um, has been a ups and down like any journey. And we had three young children at the time. After a while, we realized we need to get them help. And um, my sister actually suggested the emotion code. Never heard of it. And we looked into it and we started it. While I was on the receiving end of it, I read Bradley Nelson's 
book, The Emotion Code, and I started to learn it and I became certified in the Emotion Code and then the Body Code. And basically the rest is history. And I've used the last 12, almost 12 years to add a lot to it, to learn and really learn from my healing. And one of the things that really stands out is I remember my wife the morning after she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. What is interesting is the doctors do not use any terms that I was familiar with. So I remember the neurologist being in the room and he's showing me the scans and he says, there's a lesion and he's this and this many, many centimeters. And um, we're not sure if it's an acerocytoma or a glioma. And I'm just looking at him. And then he says to me, your wife will not be able to drive for at least six months. And I remember my heart sank because I have no idea what you just said. I know we're dealing with a real medical issue, but I really can't process what you really told me. But I do understand that my wife can't drive for six months. She takes the kids to and from school. She does so much of the shopping. And that experience really helped me with helping people because so often in life, people have gone through so many different um, experiences. They've gone through, maybe they've gone been having a challenging time at home for years, but they don't have the ability to actually express or understand it. And then they go to school and a principal or a teacher says a comment to them and it's like a dagger in the heart, but it's so in a sense insignificant to what they've been going through at home, but it's actually something that they can process, they can relate to. And that experience can very often be more detrimental or harder for them to deal with. And that one experience has really shaped my process of trying to help people. And how is how is your wife doing now? So thank God, my wife is doing great, and um, we have sure. two young kids. As my wife calls it, we have the younger division and the older division. Uh-huh. We have a ten-year gap, and then we had we were blessed with a wonderful. Um, we have two COVID babies, as my wife calls. Oh them. wow! So, yes, we have a whole new. Uh, so you have a few little ones, like we a have two-, two little ones. We have a two-year-old and a eleven-month-old. And oh, we have wow. the older division. Wow! And and the older division, the oldest is. The oldest is um, 16, of a 14 and a 12 year old. Wow. So that's, that's our family. So nice. when you said that your wife had was diagnosed with a brain tumor, you said it, you said like Baruch Hashem. Did you say Baruch Hashem? He said it's a blessing. language of that it's a blessing. It is. How so? Because, you know, so often in life, we're just going through the motions. We are just dealing with things and we're just trying to go through. And sometimes you, you have this experience that you no longer can just go through the motions and you have to take a radical change to make something work. Change is very often uncomfortable. And why would you want to be uncomfortable? So I was forced, or I say we were forced to really change the way we see life, the emotion code, body code, and the work that I do, I probably never would have come into contact with the people that I connect with on a daily basis. And Ultimately, probably the life that changed the most was my own. And um, that's why I say it was a tremendous blessing. Right. The same year that my wife was had this experience, our oldest was diagnosed with autism. And uh, it was a lot. And so we relocated and um, now doing this full time. And has the emotion code helped with your daughter who has autism? Has it's that uh, my you? son. And, oh, it's your son. My son. And... You know, we can get into it more as we as yeah. we go through. But the the fascination about autism, from my experience of my own child and um, 
and people that I've worked with is it's so vague. It's a variety of different things coming together. And then we say, oh, it's you're on the spectrum. And if you actually break it down, whether it's a, you know, sensory overload, or if it's toxins, or if it's, uh, you know, the metacognitive function, the inability to, you know, really tune into that uh, decision-making and you break down piece by piece, you actually realize so much can change. And, you know, yeah, the label is there. And we only got this label for one reason, to be able to get him services. But this kid can do some incredible things and he couldn't track, his eyes did not track when he was eight years old. And that means it almost looked like he constantly had a concussion. And a few weeks ago, I took him to Top Golf, and he literally wiped the floor with me. And I'm pretty, you know, athletic and pretty sporty. And talk about someone who couldn't track, and he can catch a ball at 60, 70 miles an hour baseball. We can wire, rewire the brain. And if there's anything that can come out of, you know, doing this today is the situation we are currently in can radically change with the right support. I, I love what you said about like, label, like the limitations of labeling or that you insinuated that if you put someone into a category, then it, that's such a, it's a small box. And the minute you start to rethink that and like know that this person is so multidimensional, this is not a label with label is just meant for, you know, Insurance purposes. <laughs> no, it's the same with diagnoses. Like I don't, I used to really be very big on, I, I even say I have ADD, but the truth is I don't categorize myself as ADD. I just use it as like a, a way of, uh, like a way of understanding my experience, but that's about it. And I think it's really important. I think it's so inspiring yeah. to hear this, yeah. Yeah. to know that yeah. things aren't status quo. It doesn't have to be a status quo. Maybe if we open our minds, maybe it had a lot to do with your journey and the emotion code that got your son, him, maybe you believed that he could go beyond what status quo is. You know, it's, when I say it was a bracha, you know, it's very easy after the fact. And, you know, it's not after the fact because we're all on a journey and, you know, the trauma that my kids endured at a young age with, you know, their mother being going through that. And we're talking about six weeks of radiation and brain surgery and a year and a half of chemo. It's not like, oh yeah, they forget about it. They're, they're you know, if we're talking about epigenetics now, or we're talking about, you know, trauma from the womb, you know, you're talking about young kids, they're still learning and navigating. And with all that being said, the the brachas that you get when you make that transformation, you know, the Baal Shem Tov says that Sayhar and Sara, you know, the Teva was made with a light. You know, what was that light? It just says it was it was Sayhar. And the, the Gemara explains what is it, was it a window, whether it was a stone, the same letters is Sarah pain. So Baal Shem Tov says, when you delve into your pain and you don't give up, you will see the light that comes um, out on the, you'll see the light. And I'll make a disclaimer here because people, you know, listen, you know, if they are in that moment of, you know, pain, and it's very hard to to really see any light. And I you know, can tell you, I can relate to, you know, talking before, you know, about the idea of when you're in that challenging situation, you don't have the capacity always to just turn around and say, oh my gosh, it's a bracha. When you can look back and sometimes we don't always get the luxury of saying, oh my gosh, 
that experience was a bracha, but you know, thank God, my parents gave us that uh, knowledge to see everything from that perspective, and thank God to, to from the upbringing that I was given. Right, thank God. You know, there's many different therapeutic modalities for healing. One of them is the emotion code. Your name was mentioned several times, uh, and specifically related to the emotion code. And I think a lot of people don't know what it is. If you can define it for us, and then I know you do other forms of healing. So in the best way you can, if you can describe what is the emotion code and how do you use it? Sure. So I, I'll take a step back and yeah. say, what is our, what are our emotions? The emotions that we have, the thoughts that we generate are there very often to protect us from previous experiences that we've gone through in the good and on the not so good. So when we understand what an emotion is, is doing, or why we have the emotion or what that thought is trying to say, then we can really help ourselves. So I think that's something that we can maybe address during the podcast is what's the point of thoughts? What's the goal of you know the emotion? What the emotion code and body code is was created by Bradley Nelson. And it's basically understanding the subconscious mind. Subconscious mind is that hard drive in the brain. It makes up 90, 95% of the brain. And it's their recording from the moment of conception of what we're going through. And it's there to protect us. And when we understand what the subconscious mind is saying, then very often we can understand what um, we need to do to help ourselves. So the emotion code is, and the body code is a list of all different charts that the person is, the practitioner is asking the person subconscious to try and identify is it an emotion? Is it an imbalance? Is it a pathogen? And why it was created and what purpose is this emotion or misalignment doing to help you? Because of the moment you have that emotion, it believes it's there for a good purpose and it's there to protect you. When the practitioner can help the person understand that it no longer needs that emotion, then um, it will be able to let go. So give you an example of an experience that has come up multiple times that I've worked with of a, a young child who can't, uh, has a hard time with swallowing. So this very often happens when a child is suctioned at birth. And then they later go through an experience and it triggers the memory of that experience. Now, it doesn't mean that every child who was suctioned at birth now is going to have trauma. Right. It's remembering that one experience can network to another. And suddenly, if this experience is too much, it remembers that one. And then suddenly neurons are wired together, fired together. It brings the brain back to a past experience. And it says, hey, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. Stop. So the practitioner would try and work out, is this a panic emotion? Is there a wall? Is there a self-sabotage? What is going on that it needs to protect me? And if you can remove the right emotions or enough emotions, and it will depend on what's going on, then suddenly the body can actually reset itself or realign itself. So when you say remove emotions, can you practice on us? Like maybe with Ido or I, if, like, for example, I get nervous before an interview, we're interviewing someone big tomorrow in his studio and we're probably not going to be able to have any notes with us. Like it's going to be a little different to the usual. So I'm not sure exactly what I'm feeling, but maybe you can pick up on it and then share with us how you would release that. Sure. So the first thing is, We've all experienced being by a traffic light and we just look into the car next to us and suddenly the person turns around. 
it's happened to all of us, right? right? Now, if you go to the Hayyam Yom of Yud Dalat Shavat, the Rebbe says, when you look at somebody, you them, you awaken them, and they will turn around, right? right? So this idea is very much, we're accustomed to it. So what, what is happening is we're all interconnected through energy. And the practitioner is basically tapping into that flow. It's based on quantum and physics, um, quantum entanglement and everything else. And I don't claim to be a, um, you know, quantum really, yes, <laughs> but that's the idea. So mm-hmm. if let's say you're doing an interview, yeah, right? So then a lot of emotions could start to come up. For example, it could be inadequacy or it could be a feeling of, um, Am I going to do a good enough job? Or am Are I you actually to... picking up on that? Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, no, I'm just telling you. Putting it, uh, I'm putting it out there, right? Okay. right now. Which emotion is strongest coming up for you is fear of failure. That's the, the emotion that's coming up strongest for you. Now, if I go remove it, which potentially I could do by letting the body know you don't need that anymore, then maybe your body will be able to let go of it. However, once if that failure is associated to another emotion of another, now it's a network. So then suddenly it may not have that benefit of just releasing and having a great experience. And that's where I think, you know, very often when people do um, a session, they had, oh, I heard about you. And they're thinking I'm going to do some magic trick. It's not magic. I, I don't have any special powers that anyone else can't do. As I said, I learned this in order to help my kids. So. So let's say you were picking up on the fear that I have a fear of failure. You'd have to then have do a few more sessions. Not to... necessarily. So let's. I would ask the client, in this case you, does that resonate with you? Yeah. Okay. So if I was doing a quick one, two, three session where, you know, the goal is not to do a full session here, I would turn around to you and I would say, change the mind by turning around and using an affirmation and say, I'm going to be authentic to myself and I'm going to turn up and be the best version of myself. When your brain would practice that, then the fear of failure is no longer needed because you've now put a new belief into the system. So if you would now take that belief mantra over and over, say it over and over again, suddenly your brain will be like, oh, I can walk in with a sense of confidence. Now, there may be other emotions that you're feeling towards it, and therefore, you would you would want to try and break that down. But you have to realize this. Um, That's kind of mind over matter. It's it's telling your mind that you are authentic, be yourself. Totally. So yeah. here's here's the thing: excitement and nervousness are base are basically the exact same symptoms in the body. One's used for the positive. One's used for the the symptoms are identical. Your heart is racing. You have sweaty hands. You're <laughs> racing thoughts. The thing is, what is your body telling you? So the analogy I use a lot is you have a um, you have uh, someone going out, young quarterback going out for his first ever Super, super Bowl. He's going to be excited. So his heart's going to be racing and he's going to be super energized. If he's going to be panicked, those emotions will now turn into stress, anxiety. If he says, no, I'm excited. This is an awesome opportunity. I've worked so hard for this. I'm going to turn up and be me. Is now, instead of it turning into cortisol, stress hormone, it's going to turn into dopamine, serotonin. So you can actually change the chemicals in your brain 
by what you're saying to your brain. So when you turn around and say the right things, then you can actually change how your body will react. And this can change why people have very, very positive reactions when the right emotions are removed, because then your body can go back into a uh, sense of calm and alignment and so on. So you have to be self-aware to know if, let's say this is excitement, not nervousness. How do I know that I'm not, I'm not nervous, I'm excited? So if I was doing an in, a session in person, right. I would be able to ask the right questions to work it out and really help them understand it. So it's not always oh, right. one size fits all. Oh, everything is excited. Everything right, right. is nervousness, right. right? There could be other pieces of the puzzle. For example, if you have a voice in your head, you're a failure. You'll never, ever be successful. You, you then are going to be activating that voice very likely. So it's not about just saying, I'm excited. You're going to have to use other tools. The emotion code, the body code is a really good tool. It's not the be all and end all of, of being a healthy person. There are many people out there who are living really great lives and I have no idea who they are, and they've never experienced the emotion code or the body code, and they're doing well. We don't need the emotion code and the body code to live a productive life. It's a really good tool. It helps you understand the subconscious, helps you understand your journey. It can start to piece things together. But going back to what the emotions are there for, if you have a child who's learning to ride a bicycle and they have um, you know, the training wheels on, they're there for a reason. Now they've learned to ride a bicycle, or they're almost ready, you're going to take those training wheels off. Now that, everyone says, yeah, that makes sense. Here's the challenge. Who teaches us at a very young age, you don't need that emotion anymore. You're safe. You don't need that emotion. You are able to let go. Most people are not really taught. In preschool, it's all this jargon that we're talking about is completely the, the norm. How does that make you feel? Okay, let's share. How, you know, it's all about feelings, emotions, and being in the moment. And then we go to first grade, second grade, and now it's all about that's not the main goal anymore. It's about grades and just staying um, in the zone. Right. And what happens when you have those feelings? What happens when you have those emotions? I don't know. I give you an example. I ask so many people, and I get a really funny look every time I ask this question. Did you go to the bathroom today? And they always look at me like, yeah. I say, why? Because I needed to. I'm like, no, that's not why you went to the bathroom. Because a young child who's wearing a diaper went to, in the diaper or an adult, you know, may, you know, not be able to hold themselves in. So you're actually going to the bathroom because you have a sensation that you've trained your brain to understand what that sensation means. And that sensation may mean that I can't go to the bathroom right now because I'm on the road and I need to wait. Imagine every time you had a sensation that you were able to be like, oh yeah, I'm just feeling a little bit uneasy. Or I just had a really intense experience with a loved one or with a coworker. And I'm just feeling like, okay, I just need to just let it off. We would suddenly feel so much more peaceful because suddenly we wouldn't have a buildup. Right. And we would suddenly feel so much more aware. We would be so much lighter. Problem is, we go through so many years of life feeling overwhelmed. And then someone comes and says, Oh, can you do the emotion code on me? Can you do the body code? I'm like, And now I have to like sort of like clear out the whole system. And 
depending on the person, depending on their own journey, depending on the work they've done, will depend on how many sessions are needed or what the experience was that caused them to have that um, buildup. Right. I think that it's such an unusual analogy, but it's so brilliant. Yeah, I was when you one? first started it, I was like, I really, second, right, is no, that but, good? But it is good. <laughs> because you have the sensation yeah. that sometimes you're driving and you can't go. So right. you know, I'm not going to go to the bathroom in the car on, right. the, on the seat. I'm going to wait. So like what to do with that sensation? What you're saying is it's not different with our emotions. It's what to do with the emotions. Well, as the kids come. have learned that from, from when they've been a young age. He's saying that imagine if we had that sensation every time we had an emotion. Right. But they're not. It's like, so yeah. how often do we have kids, hmm. not just kids, adults too, when you say, is everything okay? Or like, what's wrong? Because they look a little bit out of sorts. And either they'll say, oh, nothing, but something's wrong. Or they'll say, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. Do that. How do you work through that? They don't even know. So that's you know? where the, the, where the emotion code and body code is really helpful because right, right. the subconscious does. So the subconscious knows what's going on. I told you, you know, an emotion before you didn't identify and say, I'm feeling this. I was able to pick that up from your subconscious. So when you're able to pick up your sub from understand the subconscious, again, sometimes the subconscious is giving you a hint to what is really going on. It's a metaphor to actually what's going on in your life. It's not an emotion. You know, you know, in, when it comes to, let's say, Torah base, we're so into metaphors. You know, we say, Hashem puts on tefillin. We say, right? In the Bar Mitzvah Maim, Hashem puts on tefillin. We say, Hashem sits on a throne. Hashem this. Really? If God is everything, right? So it's a metaphor to help us understand. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to grasp what Hashem is. Well, hold on a second. Sometimes the emotion is not really the emotion that really needs to be released. It's a metaphor that you feel completely overwhelmed and you need to actually not release the emotion. You need to sit with the emotion or you need to actually dig just deep. dig deep or you need to go through with it or you need to actually turn around and say, this emotion has no value to me right now. Take off the training wheels and you can let it go. Let's say someone were to come to you and say, um, I want to, I'm thinking of maybe going to see a therapist or a coach, or I want to come to you. What does the emotion code offer that you feel therapy doesn't cover? Like what makes the emotion code unique? So where the emotion code is very beneficial is for something like, like this or someone who has a very hard time opening up. They go to therapy and they're sitting there a few sessions and the therapist is really patient and trying to work with them. And, um, you know, they're not getting anywhere. And then they'll come to me and they'll be like, my gosh, I just did 10 sessions in one, right? The equivalent of 10. Well, it, what I just did was I was able to understand them. Maybe they didn't even understand. Um, or maybe this is way before they even remember, you know, I'll pick up an emotion and be like, something's happening when you were young, when you were like eight. No clue. You know, they're 43 years old and they're like, I have no recollection. They don't need to. Remember, your subconscious does. Sometimes we block out emotions in order to protect us. So I have no recollection of my childhood, right? It was too much for you. So once the emotion code process is in play, you can use a lot of those tools to help. Now, you have the flip side where some people really are, they don't want someone to you know, do that. They want to speak it out. They want to, you know, work it through on their own. That process is, first of all, to be able to just speak out, learn the art of communicating your feelings, emotions is something that we should all learn to do. But they don't like the idea of just going back in time and piecing it all together. So 
regular therapy will be a lot better fit for them. Right. And it's funny because like, it seems Freudian, like, you know, you go into the unconscious, but it's really not. I feel like it even requires like a sixth sense in a way. I mean, maybe That's it doesn't, it. you said it's a training, but I, but the way that you do it, it seems like you're seeing something that people don't see. So, you know, it says, Bini, say you're in Alicia, that, the, you know, women have this greater intuition. Right. Um, you can definitely hone your intuition. You can definitely make, you know, very often I can be doing a session and I can already get the answer before I've even muscle tested. Um, so you can hone your intuition. Um, and obviously the better you become at a, as a practitioner, the more you're going to be able to pick up. But the idea is really trusting that the person knows what's going on and just using their knowledge, their subconscious, their experiences. And my job as a practitioner is to get out of the way and to be completely, you know, not involved. They're sharing heavy information or something that they have gone through resonates to something that I went through and I have to be completely, you know, making sure that this is not my emotion because if it's my emotion, then I'm not helping them. So that's, you know, a learned art of just trying to take a step back and just be an observer while being the practitioner. What's muscle testing? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. You, me- yeah, you mentioned, <laughs> I was going to say you mentioned muscle testing. I mean, we've, we've both been muscle tested, but for our listeners, can you describe what muscle testing is as part of the emotion code? So it's kinesiology. You're asking the body to, um, the body knows what's right and wrong and the body is able to detect. So you're in most of the time I'm doing it as on myself. Um, and I'm just asking the body yes or no questions. A lot of information will come to me as I'm doing it just purely as an intuition, but it's just asking yes or no questions to identify, We do again, are we dealing with an emotion? Are we dealing with a memory? Are we dealing with an imbalance in, in the spinal cord or in the digestive system or whatever it may be? And you're using a muscle. I'm, uh, in, you know, in this particular case, I'm u- using my fingers very often to 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 get a yes or no, you know, if that's a yes, my fingers, I'm using the finger interlocking um, where I'm just going to get a yes, my fingers will stay strong. And if it's a no, um, my fingers will be, you know, nice and free. And again, this takes practice because I can be like, yeah, you know, and it's, I'm totally taking a step back and this is completely free flowing. So, so you're very, you have to be fully attuned with the muscle testing, I would imagine to be able to respond accordingly. Like that's yes, a, but, but I mean, again, it's it's something that I just practiced and practiced and practiced, and I never had the intention of doing what I did now. This was purely to help my kids um, to be able to understand what they're going through um, and help them. So you know, I just was really, really determined. You know, as I said, you know going through the experience that I went through, it was just like, all right, this is my responsibility and I have to step up to the plate and uh, what do I do? And I just spent hours just learning that art. Yeah, but that's that's really special because that's a, that's a next level commitment. Yes, and loyalty because it's your children. You, mm-hmm. You'll do anything for your kids. So you put, almost like you were all in thinking, I've, I need to figure this, I need to get this right. So I could do this for my kids as opposed to, oh, I'm going to go to school to become an emotion. Not that, not that someone who goes to school for it 
for the purpose of just doing that is not effective, but I'm saying there's definitely something about having a personal connection. I appreciate that. And, you know, again, you, you, you know, you go through experiences in life and you look back and then there's certain experiences that are just, they stick out to you. And, you know, we can all, you know, highlight those and they, you know, it's just those ones that you just say, today is my day to step up. You know, it's now my time to, if no one else, you know, at that point, my wife was not available and not to anything she could have done about it. And sort of like, maybe this was the whole purpose that, um, you know, I was put here for this reason. Right. So, Right. Uh, could you do it on yourself? I'm just curious. Yes. Yeah. I do it myself all the time. Yeah. I, I see myself. I see you doing it on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. actually read, I started reading the book and I saw something very interesting about how, when you ask someone a question, if, if the answer is affirmative, their body very slightly will lean forward. Yeah. And if it's not, then the body was, but, but you have to be very, very attuned to see that. Right. Right. So again, if um, I could do it for you standing right. up and show you, but if, if, you're learning you're going to be a slight movement if i now do the sway test which is what it calls you oh yeah you can, what it's called, right? you can youtube it you'll see that someone who's more seasoned i would say will actually have a very strong flow all the way onto their heels or all the way onto their toes by just asking can i give me a strong yes give me a strong no so even if let's say i don't know what to do about a situation and i, I can, can i say or i'm conflicted about something or should i do this should i not can I trust my body? Like if it leans forward that maybe I should move toward it or is that? So there's definitely a benefit to learning the art of muscle testing to be able to ask questions. But again, very often questions are not so, um, you know, one dimensional. So if you say, should I, you know, do this, but what about all the other pieces? So this is where, you know, if you're only getting a yes or no, you have to learn how to uh, really ask the right questions because the information you're getting a yes to, should I go to school today? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I have 102 fever. Oh, uh, no, no, don't go to school. So it, it's important to learn how to ask questions. And um, I think there's a, it's a great um, skill. Forget the emotion. Yeah, code. that's what I'm saying. In general, it's good to know how to ask questions. How, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I learn, learning how to ask questions, learning how to listen. So often, you know, what people are asking me to help them with is not what they end up getting help with. Could you share an example? Yeah, I mean, you know, people just say, you know, I'm struggling with, you know, this and this and this. And then you start to pull back layers and you realize that their issue with their spouse is totally not their issue. It's they are really struggling with self and they've never really been able to understand themselves, never had the capacity. That's just one example. But, you know, know, again, the question is, are they coming to me physical, mental, emotional? You know, and if they're coming for something physical, you know, they're having deep back pain, then what they're going to want the result to be is, can I release any tension that the back will no longer be in pain? Now, if someone's has a physical issue, they have a broken bone, go get a, a go to the ER and get a cast. If someone, uh, God forbid, is dealing with anything, you know, where you need a doctor, I am not a doctor and I say that every session to everyone. Here's the thing. There are a lot of things that are either chronic, where the emotion code, body code could be very helpful in. And there's a lot of stuff that we can help the healing of, you know, the medical and emotional um, world 
Yeah. But it's not in any way to take over. And I am not a doctor. Right. Um, and I make that very clear. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a mind-body connection. A lot of you know, mental health pra- practitioners will say like doctors are just focused on the medical model. They don't realize the, the connection. So yeah, it's a real thing. I just, um, you have to know when to go see a doctor is what you're saying and when to try other ways. You, yeah. But you said the emotion code and the body code, right? Yeah. So the body code is just a, the same a, thing? Is, is just an add on to the emotion code. It's just more in depth. So and, it's you, when you take care of your emotions, you're taking care of your body as well. No, so, it's, no? it's just a, it's a more, um, so it's oh. one up on the course of, you know, understanding how the body is interconnected. So if you have, um, let's say left knee pain, you know, it may not be actually knee pain. It actually may be connected to your kidneys. Or if you have right knee pain, it may not be actually right knee pain. It could be connected to some other part of your body or, you what know, about lower back pain. So lower back pain could be a lot of different things, right? It could be the inability to hold yourself. Um, like pelvic area pain could be connected to the fear of taking the next step in your life, being able to move forward. Asking for a friend. Asking for, <laughs> and I'm asking for a friend about like shoulder neck pain. So shoulder, <laughs> so shoulder neck pain could could be. Wait, 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 we were not finished with back pain. Okay, yeah, let her, let her finish with <laughs> so, Sorry. Let her finish with her friend first. Yeah. So if, you know, that, that could be one, right? It could be, you know, if you've been sitting for, eight, nine, 10 years in school, feeling really um, low about yourself, struggling. All that tension is going where? Into your lower part of your body, into your pelvic floor area and stuff like that. So all that tension is doing what? It's just sitting there. Think about this. You get into your car and your car has this really bad smell. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't drive. And you get out and you go under every seat and then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, which kid left their uh, lunch for the last week? And you take it out and voila, 20 minutes later, the car smells fine and you're good to go. But yet we're walking around for years sometimes with an old lunch sitting inside us, a, a teacher's voice, an experience. And depending on where in the body it's holding, we're holding it is how the body will react. So if you're dealing with eczema, you're dealing with chronic pain. I used to deal with really intense reflux. I was taking Prilosec twice a day. Um, and I tried this diet, go off this and everything else. I've not taken a Prilosec in over five years. And what was it related to? What's the... So very often reflux yeah. is connected to something burning underneath that you're, you're, you can't let go of. Right. Um, or eczema, right? Something's going on beneath the skin that you're like, you can't let it go. Now, that doesn't mean you know, now I've given you all your diagnosis for right. all your medications. No, you, didn't tell me, you didn't tell me the shoulder. Oh, so we're getting there. We're eczema because I, <laughs> I have a yeah, friend with eczema too. Again, there's many layers. There's people who I work with currently who have a lot of different challenges and it doesn't all clear up in one shot. Yeah. Right. And, and very often it's because we have to actually learn how to retrain our body. The way it's coming from is, is the key. So, so neck and shoulder pain could be carrying first of someone else's burden that you don't know how to take off. Or it could be a weight in your life that you're, you, you just, it's weighing you down. Or sometimes it could be even a parent where if it's one side or the other that, you know, you'll turn to one side and you have a lot of freedom, but you turn to the other, it could be connected to your parent that, you know, one side was much harder to turn to than the other parent. So the, there could be so many reasons why your body is having a reaction. 
our job is to try and um, identify if the body feels safe to let go, you can have incredible results. I mean, to people who I've been talking about with chronic back pain for years, and when the body was made aware of what was going on, and the person said, yeah, that makes sense. Do you need any more? No. That changed. Just the awareness. Well, so I, that's interesting. You know, I mentioned awareness. I actually called well, the work that I do is awareness, release, rehabilitate. When, you, when the body understands what's going on, then um, it really has the ability to let go. Right. The key is to understand what is going on. And sometimes I'm not the right person for that person because they need someone who is going to be comfortable for them to speak to, you know, maybe as a, as a male practitioner, I'm not the right person for them. Or sometimes they're not ready to open up. Someone sent me a text message a few weeks ago and they said, thank you. I'm doing what you told me. I worked with them three years ago. That means it took them a number of years to be at the right place in their life, to turn around and be accepting for what they're ready to do. And, you know, life is a journey. And we're not always ready to get off that train or get on the train of healing. But I'm, but I'm asking you just like, let's say with the body hand, yeah, the shoulder, let's say just with the awareness. So so that's what I was saying about awareness. So I changed, um, thank you, going back to awareness. I changed um, the work that I do to awareness, release, rehabilitate. Because Releasing emotions is very often not enough. So you have you the awareness. You know, as you say, knowing the, the issue is half the cure. Then there's the release, which is the work I'm doing. But then there's the rehabilitate. And that is where the magic really happens. And that is nothing to do with me. That's to do with the client themselves. And if you think about it from Teshuvah, Teshuvah is the same idea. You know, you have Kharata Ava, you have that, you know, forgiveness, you, you regret what you did. But real Teshuvah is a, is Abala. So when you come and you face yourself in the same situation and you don't turn to whatever you were struggling with. And if you can do that in our mind and our body, you know, you can go into the school that you had a really hard time with, or you can be with your family who are super triggering to you, or you can go back to a car accident and you can be like, wow, my body's not reacting. That's real transformation. And that comes from the client. So sometimes I'm working with people and I'm working and working and working, but they're not ready to do the rehabilitate. And it's not uh, always just about release, release, release. So there's awareness, the release, and then there's the work that we've got to do. Yeah, and that's the rehabilitate. And depending on the person, well, um, everyone's different. You know, I was working with a kid the other day and he he had a um, allergic reaction. Literally, he had, a, he had a reaction to wearing his yarmulke. The kid didn't have to do anything and be incentivized. I removed the emotion. The mother sends me a message. He's wearing his yarmulke day and night, no issue, right? So there was probably one experience that was bothering him. Maybe it was a little bit sensory overload, removed it, boom, done. But then sometimes, you know, if it's a kid going in the bath and they're having a really hard time, they're screaming every time you put them in the bath. You know, I've worked with a number of kids like that. And sometimes it wasn't just one emotion. It was a few sessions. Very often kids are very sensitive and in tune. If there was a lot that, let's say, the child was going through during pregnancy, now the child's alignment is to, I need to carry, I need to carry, I need to carry. So now the kid is fearful of actually letting go. My job is not to let go. I'm actually the person who's holding on to all these emotions. My job is to be the protector of the family. All of a you're only four years old. Yeah. But they've been aligned from weeks into their pregnancy 
of these types of things. Listening to this, pregnant women listening. <laughs> so this is, you know, I'm glad you said it. So you know, and the people are listening to this, and they're like, "Oh, so basically, we're all doomed." Thanks so much. You know, you just made a life. And the answer is, but is number one is you know, knowledge is power, ignorance is bliss. You know, which one? Number two is you don't need to start now finding a practitioner to help you. You could be in tune with your kid. Is this it? Maybe this is not even your issue. Maybe this this is actually a digestive issue and it's fear, pure fear of, you know, this constipation because the kid is just so scared to let go. There's so many reasons why any one thing could be happening. Our job of parents, I think, and in any field is to just be able to actually listen because what's being said between the lines is a lot more uh, powerful than what's actually being said. When you said the word doomed, it led me to want to ask you this question of, are you inspired by people? Like, do you see that most people you work with change or do you feel that it's a minority? Like, do you see a lot of change in your work that people actually do the work once you release their emotions? So, yes. That's Um, nice. Which is really nice. But I'm also inspired by the fact that you suddenly realize people have really challenging lives. A lot of people's lives are just really not easy. And just the mere fact that they get up every day and they turn around and say, what can I do to make my life better? We have no clue what's going on in people's lives. You know, the last of the Ten Commandments says, do not be jealous. And then the terror says, and enumerate six, six different things, you know, their wife and their donkey and this, and everything else. One thing, just skip the whole list and just say, don't be jealous of anything they have. The explanation is, yeah, you see their donkey, you see their car, you see their wife, you see their belongings, all the things you don't know, when you would know everything about them, you would suddenly be like, you can keep your donkey, you can keep your life, I don't need it. And there's so much, we have no idea what's going on. And we really have to learn how to um, master the art of empathy. I don't claim to uh, be good at it. It's something that I'm a work in progress. I mean, you must be good at it. You're working with many, many people and helping them. You know, it's something that I'm mindful of. I, I try to be, you know, and learning to listen. I'll give you an example of that. You see this a lot with kids. They're super smart, super in tune, and they will call out authority if it doesn't um, make sense to them. So a kid gets in trouble. Why? Because he's running without, with his shoes, with his shoelaces open. So he's running down the corridor and the teacher says, true story. And the teacher says, do up your shoes, otherwise you're going to fall. And the kid keeps running and now gets called back for ignoring the teacher. So I'm talking to the kid and I said, what happened? I didn't say, why did you do it? I just said, what happened? He said, I've been running for the last 20 minutes with my shoes open. I wasn't going to fall. Why are you telling me I'm going to fall? So it's really important to learn how to actually speak, listen, understand, because if we do that, then then the body can actually heal. Like we're basically lying to our kids when we say, if you don't tie your shoes, you're going to fall. So how do we know? It's not true. Like we have to be careful with our words. Well, what would you say is one of your best tools, not, not even necessarily in the motion code, but one of the best tools for actually doing the work? Learning to be compassionate to yourself. If you would listen to actually what you're saying to yourself. Most people would never hang out if someone else was saying all those words to them. So those voices in our head that are so like, come on, really? Why do you say that? Seriously, you're never going to be able to do it. Those voices, 
will be so impactful in your life. And here's the thing. Today, diet, exercise, people who pro-vaccine, anti-vaccines, it's all what you're putting into your body. Don't drink that. It's, it's sugar. It's this. Whatever, you, whatever criteria you use, the thoughts, they're ongoing. It's not a can of soda here or a bag of whatever it is. It's ongoing. You run those thoughts over and over again. Well, guess what's going to happen? Now cortisol is going to tune up and run. And if you have cortisol going, it suddenly affects the liver. It suddenly affects the uh, thyroid. So people are having thyroid issues or they're having with IBS or reflux or PMS issues or hormonal imbalances or PCOS. Now, a lot of these things are actually coming from years of running a thought pattern. And if you keep that thought pattern going, well, guess what's going to happen? Your body's going to be in alignment to needing to protect you. High cortisol. Go, go, go. And it's and then now your body's running on a completely um, intense, strong need to protect. Like I said to somebody recently, I said, by nature, you're chesed. But due to so many experiences in your life, you're living a life of gavura. No one understands you. You're living this life of assertiveness, aggressiveness, maybe, but no one understands that by nature you're completely a compassionate, soft person. And it's all it is, it's just years of buildup of stress, stress, stress. And like survival, probably. And survival. Right. And we don't understand. So, wow. So it could be that we have like our, we all have a default, let's say, setting. So if my default setting is, Chesed, but then I've been through some life experiences where now I'm Gavura. Is the goal to like so is is the work to get me back to Chesed? Because I know so many people like that because they I feel like they're kind people, but they'll like be assertive, but they don't seem assertive. They're just like trying to. You know what well, I mean? Your goal like, would be to get you back to Tiferes, which would be a good balance. balance of both, where you right, have the ability right, to right, stand right, up. Right. Right. For what is but you know this stuff, very yeah. Well. yeah. So yeah. it would be it would be really that would be your goal to get to that balance mode. With that being said, it's it's understanding how to reprogram the brain because once the thought patterns are changing, think about this: how often do you get an update to update your phone? Many times, and then with that, how many times are you going to change out your phone? So you know your your phone today. In six months' time is already three more phones have come out. Go back to what your first phone, it, it, it's an antique. And yet we're walking around with a thought pattern of when we were 10 years old. So we're still living in the old software. system, the old software. And it's like, oh, what's, I, I can't. And then we bring it into marriage where suddenly the inability to, be confident as as a man because I'm so I'm I'm so compassionate. I'm, I'm a really good husband. I'm really good, but I don't know how to lead because I never had that voice. So when I'm dating, the girl says, "Wow, he's so soft. He's so kind. I love it." And then a few months into marriage, he's like, "Where's the leadership? Where's the husband that I was really craving?" And then so many of these patterns start to build up in a marriage. But what's really going on is, you know, the, the thought patterns is, I can't be a leader, I can't be a man or, or vice versa. So 
I want to go back to one thing that could be really transfa- transformational is learning to re um, say positive things to ourselves and ask ourselves what benefit is that voice giving me right now. And before that, maybe the tool you said, the self, self-compassion, self did you call mm-hmm. it? Self-compassion and then changing the thought process yeah. to a positive one? Absolutely. So just telling yourself that over and over. Yeah, but here's the, see, what you just said is the key. You said it over and over. You know, I'll say to someone, say this positive affirmation. And they'll say it. And they're like, again? I just said it. And I say, well, so interesting. Because if you went to the gym and your trainer said, hey, let's squat one time. What's the chance that you're going to build up any muscle? None, right? Because you need the resistance against the muscles to actually build the muscle. So when you want to really change the brain patterns of years of that lunch being stuck in the car, you're going to need to say it over and over and over again. And at that point, you'll start to actually change the chemicals because now cortisol goes down. Well, if cortisol goes down, now you give an opportunity for dopamine, serotonin, or even oxytocin to actually start to come up. So first and foremost, you got to change that pattern of thinking to change how you actually go about it. Is there anything that you could say, anyone who does this, it will make a, a make a difference in their life. So I guess like exercise maybe might be one thing. Exercise is a great one, right? Because now what you're going to do automatically, you're going to get, um, you know, dopamine into right. your system. But you have to ask yourself, what is going to be best for me? If you just learn every day to open your body, shake out your body, you know, whether you're doing Tai Chi or Qigong or or yoga, all of those are opening up the body. So you're talking about, you know, tight shoulders. Well, think about how often do you actually roll your shoulders back and pull back and, you know, really open up your body. Just stretching alone is really powerful. But if you want to change one thing, it's no question is to change the thought patterns. And by starting one positive mantra at a time, put it on your phone, let it ring six times a day and it, whatever you need to hear. And that may be to say, I'm enough. I'm ready to take the next step moving forward. I'm excited. Can you tell me the one that we were going to do for tomorrow? <laughs> right. <laughs> what it was. right. But for you for tomorrow, it's going to be, I'm going to be authentic to myself and I'm going to let myself be me. Something along those lines is what you need to hear because then suddenly you're not going to overthink it. It's the overthinking that really makes a difference. Yeah. You know, my wife says this a lot. You know, people say you only live once. And my wife says, not true. You only die once. You live every single day. You know, every day you have that new chance. The problem is when you wake up and you're living on the old program, your right. blood rejuvenates itself. Your whole body over time, the cells, everything changes. If you can change how you, um, you know, do things, then the new cells are not going to be running on the old program. You know, when my wife got sick, someone gave us this book, you know, everyone wants to help and everyone in their own way. It's called Radical Reemission. It's not Radical Reemission. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically people who had terminal illnesses and they healed themselves. Doctors gave them no hope. One person sat there and forgave everyone in her life. She just sat there every day and meditated on forgiving people. One person went on a retreat. One person danced every day. Dancing is so powerful. The idea of joy, joy transforms everything. The challenge is when you're in a hard place, when you're in a dark place, it is very difficult to be joyous. And therefore you need to find something that you're going to push yourself to do, whether you dance for five minutes 
that will um, make you give you the opportunity. When you're yeah. struggling to go and say, I'm going to dance, I give you a lot of credit, but that's what we need to do. We need to turn around and say, I'm going to do it. First do it, and eventually it will just come. We incentivize the kids the whole time. We want to potty train them. We give them incentives. Why? Because eventually, then the sensation in the body says, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. You don't give them that sensa- that that treat the whole life. It's important to learn how to understand what your brain is saying. Yeah. And to know that change is possible. There's a commandment to be joyful. And God doesn't give us a commandment that we can't uh, oh. fulfill. So we can get there. We just have to know that. We have to have that awareness that we can get there. And uh, there's this whole idea of neuroplasticity. People used to think that as people get older, their cognition declines. They can't, their memory gets, um, and, and they find that, no, your brain is always, always working. You, you could learn new things at an older age. We didn't know this before, but the Tyra knows that, that you can always change and you can transform your life, that it is possible. So I love that thought. I love Me that too. Thought. Let's talk about another, me- another method of healing that I know apparently you are well-versed in because you have clients using this method. Um, there's a current trend towards psychedelics and people's healing journeys. Can you share your, your views on this method of healing? Okay. So I'm going to make a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've done research on it, yeah, but I don't claim to be in any way a, um, you know, really, known, yeah, I don't, okay. I don't um, you know, completely knowledgeable on the whole process. I've seen people's lives literally transform through psychedelics. Um, and I think we need to be open. Very often when new things come out, we're very scared and we're skeptical. And that's fine. We should be, especially in the past that has been misused. It needs to be done right. Yes, and, you need to go to a doctor. Well, there's, there's, many, there's many different ways to go about it and who are the right people. And I think you need to do the background knowledge to, to acquire that first, if, you, if this is a route for you. And I think you need to understand that if something is there today, if anyone's coming to me and saying, you know, I want to do psychedelics. I'm like, have you done any therapy? No, I've done, I, I, would, I would encourage them to, to not to necessarily run to psychedelics as the first thing because you may not need it. It is deep. It is very, very powerful. It's very profound. And every single person that I have encountered who has done psychedelics, the one universal thing that they've all told me is... I was healing without ego. And so often our ego holds us back. It's very hard to say that if someone's struggling and say, by the way, you know, I, I, I saw a line once that it says, it's not your trauma that's holding you back from healing, it's your ego. And I read that and I read it and I read it and it didn't feel good. You're telling me it's my ego? And I sat with it. And we have to realize that the word ego very often has a very negative connotation. Ego is there to protect you. When you suddenly are in a sense of complete transparency, you don't need to protect yourself. That's the only way to really heal. When people have this opportunity today to use psychedelics where they can go so deep with the right support, I would say, if this is what you need, seek it out. Not telling you to do it, but seek out what's available there today because, you know, to live a life where you're living trapped in your body. When we realize that there's so much stuff out there, a lot of us are just trapped. And if psychedelics is the way that you can get that healing, 
that will allow you to transform and go on your journey. I wish you tremendous success in it. Right. So you have to do your due diligence and find out more like with anything else. We always like to bring the Hasidic dimension to all of our conversations. And we know you learned Hasidus. In what ways do Hasidus and the emotion code overlap in terms of like how you understand suffering and healing from it? Well, David Amalach says in chapter 41 that I have sinned and he asked Hashem to heal him. If he has sinned, why didn't he ask Hashem to forgive him? So one of the answers is given is that our struggles today, our physical and our emotional struggles are interconnected. So if through the emotion code, through any kind of healing, we become more aligned, that we can serve Hashem better, then it's not Hasidus, but it is, gives us an opportunity to serve Hashem. Hasidus is all about alignment to putting yourself aside to be able to actually serve Hashem. When we able to understand that, then we can transform. You know, I'll give you an example. The women put six months prior to going to Achashverish, they put these oils on them to beautify their skin. So what does Chassidus explain? That oil and Chachmah are interconnected. When you, when you have the wisdom, now this is not Chassidus, this is my words, but when you have the wisdom to say positive things to yourself, positive affirmations for six months, just like oils, eventually they penetrate the skin and they make you, they enhance you. If you spend six months saying really nice things to yourself, you will be a better person. You will be a more refined person. You'll be a happier person. And ultimately, obviously, the Purim story is not just the story of Achashverosh. It's talking about our relationship with Hashem. And so too, healing is all about being a better person. And ultimately, that's the goal to serve Hashem. Yeah, that's nice. The, the interesting thing is one might think if they keep saying positive things to themselves, they're going to develop an ego. Do you know what I'm saying? You're saying these positive things to yourself and you have a certain confidence and then there's that fine line of ego and confidence. So I always say, what is the difference between ego and confidence? Ego is when you make it all about yourself. Confidence is when you realize you have a gift. It's not about you. There's people out there who have better gifts than you. And your job is to use your gift to help the world. So if you are able to turn around and say, I'm an incredibly gifted at whatever I'm gifted at. And my job is now to share that with the world. I'm not better than anyone. No one out there is better than anyone. There's people out there who are very, very gifted at what they do. I work with many people who are gifted across many different um, spectrums. And guess what? They still struggle. How do I know? Because they come to me and they, they, they're sharing those struggles. We all struggle. Struggle is part and part of who we are today. When you're actually able to realize, hey, so I struggle. Great. And no one goes to the gym and is squatting 250 pounds and the guy next to him is squatting 320 and be like, I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. Because if you do that, you'll put out your back, you'll right. try and overdo it and your body can't handle it. But if you turn around and you leave your ego out of the gym, before you know it, you could be squatting 350 because your body can build up to it. So ego is when you are looking at everyone else and actually have insecurity, when you're actually able to celebrate yourself, you realize, hey, I'm a gift. All right, we all are gifts. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. how question. would you work with someone who is met, is on medication? Like, would you work with them the same way? So I work with many people on medication. And medications have many benefits. I don't judge anyone who has taken the medication route. I've also helped people go off medication, which is, which is nice. That's um, great. My job is not to 
tell people what to do. Um, my job is to try and help them understand why they have emotions or what the emotions are saying. I have seen people who want to go on medication. And what I say to them is, if that's what you want to do, go do it. But if you don't learn to understand why you've chosen to go on medication, what your emotions are saying, very quickly, you're going to realize that that dosage that you're on is not going to be strong enough because life will um, become yeah, okay. at you very quickly. So it, if you if medication is your route, go for it. If you, that's what you want, go for it. Go for it. It's not my uh, business. But definitely don't undermine that dealing with your emotions is not you know something that the emo- your medication is going to take care of. Right. Yeah, that's magic. Yeah. So, you know, someone who's taking medication, this can be very beneficial because they have some tools to go along with the medication. You actually gave us some really good tools, affirmations, awareness. Do you have any more practical tools that we can end with that are effective, that have been effective in your life or with your clients that we can take with us on our journeys? Or in your personal experience that have helped you? Yeah. I I think, you know, you know, it says, you know, to, to get yourself a mentor and to, to have a friend, you know, very often you need to find the right friends. You know, T-Mobile used to have a, a slogan that you have your fave five for, you know, when minutes, you know, everyone was careful about how many minutes they used. Those five people you could call anytime for free. No, it wasn't on your minutes. And I think we need to have that in our life, the, the right people. One person is, I just, I just feel completely empty. And they're going to be that right person who's going to turn around and say, it's okay. And the other person is going to be that person who be like, come on, you got this. I remember I, I, I once had a personal trainer. I came to the gym. And I said, my knee's hurting. And he said, did you come in to complain or did you come in to work out? I said, I came in to work out. He said, well, let's work out. It was so transformational because, yeah, we're always in pain. It wasn't pain that, you know, I was hurting. It was just, you know, those niggles. And he taught me how to push past. And we need those people in life. We need those people who are going to turn around and say, Come on, you've got so much more in the tank. I said to him, You're the last time it's the last time I come to you for empathy. And there's gonna be people in your life that they're not the empathy people. There's gonna be people in your life that they are there just to give you the empathy. And there's gonna be people who are gonna be able to just, you know, give a listening ear. I I look at healing as like playing baseball. And the whole goal of baseball is to get around the bases. Number one is get to first base, is you need to just offload, vent. We need to, to learn to just let go. Second base is where you someone actually creates space for you. They they have that ability to hold space and be able to listen to you. No judgment. Third base is a little bit more complex because they actually, if you want someone to really help you to get to the third base, they actually have to identify what you're actually struggling with. Not just, I'm so sorry you're going through that. It's like, wow, you're feeling really scared right now. Or you don't trust yourself. And they're identifying actually what the emotion is. And obviously the whole goal is to get home. And that is actually the rehabilitate. What are you going to do next time? What can you say to yourself going into the studio tomorrow and say, I can do this. I'm excited. You know, those words, I'm excited, will change everything to how you see it. Because suddenly the brain is going from, oh, I'm panicked to being like, this is so cool. I can do this. And you step up to the plate realizing you can get all the way around. And that's where we get so scared. We get scared, we're going to get stuck somewhere. And that's so often what holds us back. You know, as I- from making, You're saying like even from reaching out to make, to make friends. Yeah. Or, or, or to make, to go to that next step right. or, or to, or to um, 
Now, some get people help. don't have those kind of friends and they might feel lonely listening to this right now. What would you say to them? So that was really empathetic of you, right? So that's really understanding that, you know, there are people who, who just don't have, and it, it's hard. And sometimes that's why you go to therapy for that alone. You're paying someone a harav or khachavar, you know, you're acquiring. Right. Sometimes acquiring is through money and you're just finding that right therapist who has that ability. You've gone through so much in your life. Your family don't get you and you're paying somebody to finally understand you. And if you don't have the means for it, you know, we have to, we have to as a community, come together and help people feel safe, feel understood, and feel the ability to um, heal. Yeah, and you also never know in life, you, you might be feeling lonely now, but you never know when you're going to gain a friend if you're open to it. Yeah, I think also acquire yourself a friend. The way I understand it is that it's not a passive state. A lot of people might say, oh, I don't have any close friends. But then, and not to be like insensitive, but like, what are you doing about it? Meaning friends don't just like trickle into your life. You have to go out and you have to do the Avaita and go seek friends out, like be that kind of friend that you would want to have. And that's what I find people start. It's very hard to do it because then you're risking rejection. But if you do it, come to try doing it and come to me in a month and tell me if any if anything has changed. I'd be I'd be very surprised if nothing changed. If that's what. So this is very powerful what you're saying, and that is attraction. We attract so much, and you know if we're living in fear and we're living with this cortisol overdose, then very often that's actually what we're attracting. Muzzle. Mazel is three letters, Mem Zayin Lamad. It stands for three things, Mokim Zaman Lashen, saying the right thing in the right place at the right time. Well, here's the interesting thing. I never what? heard that. That's oh, really nice. There you go. <laughs> so when you actually are able to say the right thing in the right place at the right time, sometimes that right place is to Hashem. It's not to any person. Because Da Mala Maila Mimach, know that everything above you, everything that Hashem sends you, Mimach comes through you. You create your own muzzle. You create your own reality. So when you turn around and say, you know what? My whole avoid now, my whole work is actually to go get myself a friend. I'm going to change my reality. And what will that mantra be? I am worthy of a really close friend. And that's what you're going to say. So your empathy can open up your ability to be empathetic for yourself and say, hmm, I can create that. Nice. I heard a quote recently that really resonated with me. The original is always worth more than a copy. There's only one you out there. That's a Can good parting message. We yeah, we didn't have to ask for a quote. Maybe <laughs> we put the energy out there for yeah. the quote yeah. and the quote came. Wait, so sorry, could you say that again? The, the original? We, we want to we we yeah. meditate on it. The original <laughs> is always worth more than a copy. There's only one of you out there. Don't try to be a copy. Don't try and be somebody else. Don't try. You'll never be able to be somebody else. But you'll always be able to be a better version of yourself. <laughs>